Hello and welcome to A Little Too Quiet, brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. I'm Mary Graham, and today we have with us Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. Mumtaz. Hello. And Sarah. Hi there. And we are talking about the music of our formative years on this fine podcast here today. So we have, I think it's going to be a fun array of what those formative years were and who the artists within those years were. Um, And Jeff and I ended up spitballing this in part because we have quite an extensive CD collection here at the Ferndale Area District Library. Uh, So there's, there's your materials connection right there. But also, thanks to Sarah Bowman, we have a very fine selection of portable CD players available for you to check out from the Library of Things in case, unlike me, you do not own your own $30 CD player because I legitimately don't know where I would be without my CD player clock radio. Uh, I have to be able to get 90.9 WRCJ directly into my apartment via airwaves. So let's just go ahead and jump right in. What what does the music of our formative years mean to everyone sitting around this fine podcasting table? I will go ahead and start. So I think Jeff sent out some uh, loose instructions that said formative years were 17 to 23, which I thought was very specific. And of course, I broke that rule uh, mm-hmm. right away, right mm-hmm. off the bat. I'm yeah. just going to start with me being 13 years old. And um, I'm the oldest person in this room uh, by far, which uh, so 13 years old, it's 1987. And uh, Faith by George Michael comes out. <gasps> Great song. <laughs> And the whole album is really, it holds up if you go back and listen to it now. It is like weirdly ahead of its time. Like it's kind of a conceptual album, but I did not know what conceptual album was when I was 13 years old. But it felt very grown up to sing I Want Your Sex. And, you know, the first couple lines of Faith and the video was like a little, you know, prepubescent kind of like, Welcome to the new world of music. And it's very tame by today's standards, but that is what I listened. That was like the soundtrack of my junior high, for sure. And it has ballads, it has bangers, like the whole album is just so great. And I think a lot of people started and ended with George Michael at that album, but I have loved him for many years. What a gorgeous voice and a gorgeous person. And I miss him a lot that there's no new music. I saw, so I went to the Faith concert. I grew up in Denver and I went to the Faith concert at Fiddler's Green, which I think is similar to your, uh, to Detroit's Pine Knob. Pine Knob. Thank you. So that kind of outdoor suburban amphitheater. And that was the first concert I went to without parents. Ooh, that's important. <laughs> that's neat. It was neat. I think it was the next year he toured, so I must have been like 14. Um, and again, I just, I felt very, like, this was like, this was my music. Like, it was like my music versus my parents' music mm-hmm. all of a sudden with George Michael. So that's my my early teen self. <laughs> love. I love that. Well, I'm the next oldest person (laughs) in this room, and um, I didn't get an email about what we were supposed to write about, so that's fine, because I did it my own way, and I wrote down four albums that really, like, meant a lot to me in high school slash early college, which I feel like actually works out to what Jeff wanted anyway. Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. I 
felt, first of all, I smoke cigarettes, which I don't recommend anyone else do at this moment in their life. But smoking a cigarette and listening to Jagged Little Pill and leaving my high school with my window cracked just a little and like blaring this album, I felt so free and like so understood and seen that like, oh my God, there's like so much angst that lives inside of me. And like, it was the first time I felt like a female had put words to that because there was a lot of everything going on with grunge, with Pearl Jam and with Nirvana, where it was like, clearly like you to the establishment and everything was just this like deep rage. But this was the first time that a woman was saying like, hey, guess what? Like, I'm angry and I'm going to talk about it. And there was something that was so empowering to me about feeling like I can drive, which already felt like, look at me, I'm very busy and important. And um, here I go listening to Jagged Little Pill. And I didn't get to see the um, Broadway thing, but mayhaps when it returns, I, I shall do so. So that to me is a defining formative screaming. There was a lot of screaming on my end. Uh, and I enjoyed that thoroughly, even though I was smoking, smoking and screaming. Shoot, that's on my honor roll. Yeah. Like that was my okay. like when I started to make the list, I was like, yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah. No, that one did it for me. But then also I was like slowly I didn't know that I was gay in high school, but like all of my friends were very in, men and women were very into the Indigo Girls. I went to two Indigo Girls concerts in high school. <laughs> and like retrospectively, I remember looking at like women frolicking together and being like, that's interesting. <laughs> but it like didn't click in my brain. Like I too would like to frolic like. But it, my, um, I went with a group of men and women to this concert, like 16-year-old boys, and they loved it. And, like, they'd play guitar. They loved the Indigo Girls together. So Swampophilia by the Indigo Girls was a, a big one for me. So I had my yelling, and then I had my, like, inner mother gayhood happening between those two. Lots of women. Women. Women are key. All right. <laughs> That's so similar to my experience in an all-girls high school, mm. having no idea I was bisexual, mm-hmm. being like, surely, surely people just think about women all the time. <laughs> I, too, am going to start by breaking the rule of this. This is from before my 17-year-old years, because when I sort of think about like the first music of my formative whatever. I think, of course, of uh, the artist everyone associates with middle school girls all over the country, Billy Joel. Um, (laughs) Because because my parents, my mother especially, really enjoyed Billy Joel. And some of my best friends in middle school, their parents were the same. So like, that was the music that would get played while we were driven around, you know, in back seats and stuff like that. And it gave me an appreciation for what I've always loved about Billy Joel is his lyrics. There always seemed to be a lot there to just interpret like my mom's favorite Billy Joel song is Summer Highland Falls which has this gorgeous piano introduction that like one of my friends I remember taught himself to play but it it also she just always found the lyrics very rich they say that these are not the best of times but they're the only times I've ever known and I believe there is a time for meditation in cathedrals of our own and so just like that was one of the first ways in that I had to talk about music with my parents because we were like listening to the same thing and like you know what do you think about this or what do you think that 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 means and like looking back on it it was one of kind of my first introductions to like literary critical thinking because my mom was like yeah an artist might say like oh I wrote this song about this and that's true but also if you can support an interpretation from the lyrics it's your song now so (laughs) I definitely took that and ran with it and that like when we get to the other artists that were important to me I come back and I see that sort of like serious lyricism as the bedrock of everything that's been very meaningful to me since so 
So our formative years of music. Um, I think it's safe to say that I'm the youngest one here. <laughs> I'm 21, so I kind of still feel like I'm a little bit like still You're within the window. <laughs> I'm within the window. Like I feel like what I listen to now is still like helping me grow into myself. And like, I want to talk about one artist in particular. Uh, her name's Benny. And she had a concert last year that I went to. I loved it, loved it so much. Um, I went with a friend and we got like a VIP ticket. So we got the meet and greet and everything. And it was like really small, really low key. And the artist, Benny, um, she's like a year older than me. And I mm. love her music. Like she just has so many songs that I just can like connect to. And the first time I ever heard her music, I saw a music video on TV. And I just happened to be in passing and just happened to be on in passing. And I'm looking at this music video and this girl is like, I'm super lonely. And I'm like, huh, me too. <laughs> and then I'm just watching it and she's in the bathtub, like literally just crying. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'm kind of feeling this. I'm kind of feeling this. And then she's like, I'm a lonely bitch. And I'm like, me too, <laughs> me too. She knows what she's talking about. So. If you had told me that I have would have been able to like meet her, I would have been like, you're crazy, like literally a year later. So I went to her concert, got the meet and greet. I go in there with my friend, we're waiting in line, we get inside and then I see her and I'm like, oh my God, that's her. I get instantly excited. I had no expectations because I've never like met like a role model or anybody that I've like admired before I looked up to. And then I, studied how she interacted with all of her fans and she everybody was like taking photos with her and she did different poses she was very nice and she wasn't like rushing anyone she took multiple photos like she was giving everybody compliments so when it was my turn i was so excited she gave me a hug and then she told me i smell good and i was like that's all i ever needed was to know that i smell good from a celebrity like that's literally it and then the concert loved her personality she just had like a lot of charisma um a lot of her music is like it's kind of like something that i wouldn't even like compare to anybody else's music not that there's not people out there that's similar to hers but it's like she's the first person who i've heard music like hers and i really like it because i can connect to it and it's kind of whimsical but it's also like it's not like you can't relate to what she's saying like it makes sense and it's like, oh yeah. She can sing about sad things or kind of things that are like, hmm, that's a little interesting. Maybe a little bit off or like sad, but it doesn't make you feel sad when you listen to it. So when I listen to her music, I'm like, yes, yes, just yes. Again, again and again and again. So no, nah, it was great. And getting to meet her, it was like, oh my God, maybe could do something with my life that's crazy she's like only a year older than me like now it's time to step up and do something so that's one person for sure that i could just talk about over and over again like for hours but that I, sounds amazing it really does yeah, and i think that's so often the the core of like the music that is important to us is the music that's like oh they're talking to me <laughs> and i always find it really fascinating like looking back on my own i'm like who did i feel like was talking to me and why were they all like men who played the mandolins <laughs> in Americana music. We'll get there. But <laughs> Sarah, what's the next album on your list? Okay, so the next album on my list is I am fast forwarding um, into 1992. 
and I'm in high school. And I mentioned I grew up in Denver and I spent a lot of time going to clubs and raves and listening to like electronic music. And so one of my favorites was an album called ABBA-esque by Erasure. And Erasure, like they have so many great albums, like in the 20s, maybe like they just have a ton of albums. But ABBA-esque is an EP of remixed ABBA songs. <laughs> I was going to say, I hope this is actually about ABBA and I'm so happy to yes. learn that it is. This and is like, amazing so far. And they love ABBA. So it, it is like, it's definitely an ode to ABBA and it turns them, and those are already kind of like dancey poppy songs, but it turns them into like 90s electronic dancey poppy songs. And they're just like, they're it's so joyful. I was listening to it today, uh, earlier today, and it just like brought me just like I couldn't, stop moving in my chair. Yeah. Like it just felt like the, this sort of like movement. And if you've never heard of erasure, um, like this is maybe not the best one to start with cause it's kind of specific, but I do think it's a good suggestion for people who like electronic music and dance music, but also like lyrics that you can like sing at the top of your lungs. So I don't really like, like, I love dance music, but I don't like dance music that's purely electronic. Sure. Like, I need a little bit of, like, you mentioned Mary Graham, like, this sort of, like, lyrics that I can relate to or kind of understand, like, how this relates to me. And I like having both that sort of, like, you know, sort of, like, intellectual connection, but also, like, a pure physicalness mm-hmm. of of the dance um, and the movement. And, like... <laughs> When I was listening to it today, I was like instantly transported to my friend's truck. (laughs) Like I could smell it like driving around during high school. So that is smoking. (laughs) Um, Not in high school. It came a little later. Okay. Just Um, in my, my, but yes, Alanis Morissette, I was like, that feels like a cigarette. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) In college for sure. Um, Yeah. So erasure is, is that is one of my formative year Bands, for sure. Still growing strong. Never yeah, seen them in concert. There's some people, though, that you don't have to see in concert to, to still love the music and just, like, know that the music is going to be yeah. there for you when I need it, when you need it to be there for yes. you. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay with that for you. Yeah. Um, so my, yeah, yeah, my 90s was, like, my high school experience was very strange. So I grew up in Saginaw, so I had this whole vein of, like, hardcore rap and hip-hop was part of my upbringing. And then I had, I was a deadhead, huge deadhead. Like, <laughs> for those of you who may not know what that is, <laughs> I listened to The Grateful Dead like it was my job, like I was alive in the 60s. Um, and so that was a lot of mixtapes. So I don't really have a lot of like, oh, my favorite album of theirs was blah, blah, because it was all about like what shows you went to and like who recorded it. And it was all like grainy and scratchy. And you like listen to that when you smoked pot in your bedroom. Mm-hmm. Okay. Again, maybe just me. Okay. So then the sec- the third part ahead of this whole thing is ger- what Lady Rock, where it was like Tracy Chapman, Indigo Girls, although Bare Naked Ladies snuck in there for a little while too. Um, They're Canadian, so kind of count. <laughs> they're very feminine. I don't know. So the three-headed prong that was my growing up, and also a lot of what I consumed wasn't necessarily an album. It was like a cassette single. Like I remember going to the like record B, the Sam Goody record shop, and buying like cassette singles. So then I wouldn't necessarily like a whole album. I wouldn't even hear a whole album. I would just be like, oh, this one cassette single is very entertaining for me. 
And then I would listen to it over and over and over. I have a lot of tapes. Like I still have tapes at my mom's house and no way to listen to them because like, unless there's one in the library of things and I didn't know about it. Um, so yeah, my mu- my high school music was really eclectic, which I think shaped me as a human. Um, the, the problem there is I basically, I peaked in high school. <laughs> like all my musical <laughs> references are from like n- between 1990 and 2004 like that is that's it like anything that plays now the other day i was like who is dua lipo or like i don't understand what a doja cat does like i just don't know what any of like i don't listen to that although i do understand who zendaya is because i watch euphoria so anyway um i yeah my music is the 90s that's it like i'm such a 90s kid that's where i ended and i i don't even listen to new indigo girls like that's it to me. They live They live in the 90s and that's where I live in my music. I think that's pretty common though. It's like you form your pop culture like formation years, like sometimes do just like you're happy with those things over yes. and over. They make me so and happy. And now they're nostalgic too. Like when I had Sirius Radio and it was 90s on nine, I was like, we, I'll just stay in my car for days. <laughs> <laughs> I live in my car now because this is where I'm happy. So yes. So for my sort of like working up through my high school years, we come to the one-two punch of the Abbott brothers and Mumford and Sons because... Wait, who was the first one you said? The Abbott brothers. I'm not aware of these Um, brothers. So (laughs) these brothers are uh, two brothers and a friend who's an honorary (gasps) Abbott brother. Uh, They're from North Carolina. Uh, They, let's see, what does my t-shirt say? Established 2001. So they've been making music for a long time. Um, They were the first band I saw in concert. They're the band I've seen the most in concert. I think I've seen them four times. And they, the album that got me started with them, I was a freshman in high school. It was I and Love and You, which I think had maybe just come out the year before. And my English teacher recommended it to me. (laughs) And then it turned out that one of my camp friends, I went to camp in West Virginia, And I actually had a lot of West Virginia friends who, because these guys are from North Carolina and so had been known around kind of the Appalachia circuit, because they're sort of new Americana, especially their older stuff, um, is very like Americana, there's a banjo, that kind of, which I love, um, that kind of thing. So my Appalachia friends knew about them long before I did. But my English teacher recommended them to me and also recommended Mumford and Sons. And I remember Casino Moore, I think, came out also the same year, 2009, which was Mumford and Sons' debut album. I was in high school in the peak of like strumming mandolins, stamping like men in fedoras and suspenders, which is a very spit like the Lumineers, a very specific period <laughs> in music that many people are not nostalgic for. But let me tell you, when uh when I watched the first episode of Ted Lasso and there was Marcus Mumford doing the theme song, I was like, yes, it's for me. <laughs> they did this for me. Um But I have really clear (laughs) memories. I mean, talk about like, you suddenly remember what your friend's truck smelled like, because all of my friends that I did theater with also loved these bands. Like we were, I don't know, it was like, it was what the the artsy literary kids (laughs) were listening to. Um, And we would get rides home from play practice with like the same like, you know, cute older senior boy who like, 
had the same taste in music we did. So we felt very good about ourselves about that. And I remember hearing the opening of Sign No More in the back of his like station wagon for the first time. And the first line of Sign No More is Serve God, Love Me and Mend, which is a line from Much Ado About Nothing, which is a play I was obsessed with as a high schooler and still am. And so like talk about like sitting up straight and going, they're talking to me. Like there's so many literary references on that album, Shakespeare especially, that I was like, oh my gosh, it's... It was the first time, because I was a little snob as a child and actually mostly listened to Broadway cast recordings and was not interested <laughs> was not interested in popular music. But and Billy so, Joel. Well, Billy Joel. <laughs> but like that was not presently popular music. Okay. That was popular music from several decades ago. Not my apologies. Um and uh and I um and so it was like kind of the first time that I was like, oh, like here's music my friends also want to listen to that's like also on the radio. Um, like Little Lion Man was on the radio at that point. <laughs> and it was just, it was a really interesting bonding experience. And again, with the with the lyrics, like it was fun to, to you know, sit down with like the Mumford and Sons lyrics and be like, oh, that's a reference to Plato. You know, <laughs> um, I've got friends texting me going, you know, that's Steinbeck, right? Because I never actually read Steinbeck, but there's Steinbeck references on that album. And the interesting thing is I'm still a big fan of the Abert Brothers and I still keep up with what they put out. Mumford and Sons' second album, I was like, Babel is good. It's not as good as the first one. And then they completely changed their sound and I lost interest. But Sign No More remains like one of my all-time no skips. Sometimes I still, I'm just in the headspace where I have to go back and listen to it. And then, yeah, it's it's 9 p.m. and I'm in the back of someone's station wagon headed home from play rehearsal. And it's really soothing in its way. Okay. So I want to talk about my favorite rapper. His name is Smino. So when I was in high school, I didn't really listen to rap music too much. I couldn't really connect to it and I didn't really like it. Everybody (laughs) around me was listening to rap and all the people that's on the radio is talking about this and that and how much money they got and how many people they're with. And I'm like, I can't relate to that. Like, this is not, yeah. So after I graduated or right before I graduated, I found this one song uh, by Smino and it was called Rice and Gravy. And I heard it and I was like, okay, I actually like this. Um, His music's actually really good. And it wasn't necessarily like, oh, I know exactly what he's talking about. I've been exactly what he's been through because first of all, he's 30 (laughs) and I'm 21. So that's a bit of an age gap. And then in that song, he's rapping about like, He's saying like rice and gravy, that's what made me. He's talking about he grew up in a household with four older sisters and him being the youngest and how, you know, his mom had to blame him every time something went down or whatever because he was the only guy there and she raised him as a single mother. And I'm just like, I can't relate exactly to that, but I can relate to the single mother thing. I can understand and I found that I was able to connect with that song and his music because he was rapping about his truth. And then that song made me realize that, oh, I actually do like rap music. I just don't like mainstream rap music because nowadays most people aren't talking about their truth and I can't connect with it. I can't vibe with it. If you're not like, give me your story. Like a lot of people, like they'll put their story in music and then some people who don't, they're just like, you know, putting lyrics into whatever is popular what everybody else is singing about and um ever since then i was like okay now i i really gotta like and the 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 music is great and he actually sounds good like and i've never heard anybody rap the way that he does so i'm just like actually i like this because he's just him like he does what he does and he isn't 
there's nobody else out there like him. So when I found his music, I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then last year, I had a classmate uh, pass away. Um, and it was pretty tragic. And right before that happened, I was listening to this one song by Smino. It was called I Deserve. And when I lost my friend slash classmate, it was like, I already liked the song before, but I connected to it so much more because in the song he's talking about, he's like, he's basically saying that he's lost people, he's lost someone and that he deserves a break. Like, he's like, give me this, give me that. I deserve it. I'll be sad about this. I'll be sad about that. And I'm just like, actually, <laughs> I feel the same exact way. Cause uh, there's so many times where it's like, man, um, there's been about at least, I want to say, three people from my high school who have already passed away mm -hmm. and not and every single one tragically. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and I've known all of them. And it's like, it's crazy because well, one, nobody prepares you for that. Nobody talks about that. Um, it's a lot more common than I would have ever thought. And it's just like, it's like for somebody to be putting that in music and then not like, making it like oh a complete dark and sad thing but like being real about it and being like hey this is how i feel i'm hurting but i'm still gonna make this a vibe i was like actually this makes me feel so much better like i was playing the song over and over again because it was like this is this is helping me with my grief so ever since then i was like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i even went to go he just had a concert up here with another artist uh, named Jid. They did a tour together. It was called the Love Forever Tour. And they were up here um, in March at the Fillmore. And Great I went- Great venue. Right? And I went and I went to go see him and it was like so expensive, but I was like, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And I went and I didn't get front row seats and I didn't get a meet and greet and I really wanted that. But I still got to go and Mind you, at the Fillmore, there's seats everywhere. Mm -hmm. Nobody, nobody was sitting down. Nope. No, nope, nobody was. We were, we were all standing up. He came out on stage, and there were so many times where everybody was like just chanting his name, Smino, 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 and I was just feeling it. And he played almost every single favorite song that I had by him, and I was just like, Yes, God, yes, you're answering my prayers. This is exactly what I wanted. This is exactly what I came for. Like his energy was just great. Um, and yeah, he made me realize like, oh, I actually do like rap music. Like I actually, I just have to do it in my own way. Yeah. Like I don't have to listen to what's necessarily like the most popular song on the radio because nine times out of 10, I'm gonna listen to it and be like, okay, that's nice, but bored now <laughs> yeah yeah it is of my personal opinion that a lot of mainstream rappers today cannot rap so i'm a you know that's my piece and uh, i'm gonna shut up because i know a lot of people are gonna be mad that i said that it's not Jeff, everybody man, the inbox. <laughs> it's just a and you know it's a good not all of them but a good majority mm -hmm. yeah but Well, and I think, you know, sort of what you said about the the music that's with us when we find ourselves in some kind of dark hole, whatever mm -hmm. that hole is instigated by. I mean, certainly 
I've got I've got albums when I'm like, oh, when this happened, this is what I listened to yep. on repeat. And it made me feel, you know, understood or loved or held or something like that. So I think that's really special. I'm so glad you got to go to that concert. Right. Yeah. All right. What's next on your list, Sarah? Well, next on my list is kind of like leaning into what Mumtaz just said about, you know, you have like these genres of music and not loving all of it, but loving like, these. you know, you have to find like the performers within that big genre. Mm-hmm. So my all-time favorite band forever and ever is The Clash. And when people find out about that, they go, oh, do you like these other punk groups? And my answer is like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) I do not. I only love The Clash. Um, I think in, um, so the story, and kind of thinking back to what Sarah said as well, is in 1988, um, a like a cassette tape was released with like a like the best of and it was called the story of the clash and that was my introduction to them and it my brother is four years older and he um had very cool taste in music um and i think i discovered it like in his room um also the same with the smiths and uh like the cure and all that kind of genre as well but i put put the i had never heard of the clash Right. It's not on the radio in the early 90s. And I listened to it and I just instantly fell in love, Um, which means now and I know as a Clash fan, you're supposed to be like snobby about the album, like what songs are on what album. But like you mentioned with the dead, like I can't I can't tell you what songs are on what album. I don't know, because my main introduction was through these like mixes and best of Mm -hmm. type um, from cassettes to DVD or to CDs. And so I know you're supposed to have opinions, but I, I can't I can't keep them straight. Um, there are definitely songs that I love, and a lot of these show up on the story of the Clash. And and I didn't know anybody else that listened to them, um, and so it made it feel very special to me um, in a way. And for punk music, uh, they were also uh, very influenced by like reggaeton and and ska music, and so it's punk music, but like with a funky beat to it, um, which as somebody who loves to dance, like I really liked. Um, And again, I think looking back on their messaging now with eyes from today, it feels a little unfinished. But I think at the time their, their messaging was sort of groundbreaking and they were like writing songs about politics and about race and about all kinds of different things going on in the UK at the time, um, anti-fascism and, and things like that. And I think it, it at the time was very powerful. Um, you know, I still love them and um, kind of like continued listening to Joe Strummer for many, many years. He died in, I think it was 2003, something like that. So anyway, uh, Story of the Clash, that was, uh, I probably, it came out in 1998. I probably... Oh, no, I think it came out in 1988. I think I discovered it in about 1991 because it definitely has like early high school feel to me, but I can't remember specifically. But it's got all my favorite songs on it, like Clamp Down, Train in Vain, Guns of Brixton, which is the only song written by uh, Paul Simonon, Lost in the Supermarket, Stay Stay Free, White Man and Hammersmith Pele, which is my all-time fave, 
somebody got murdered. Should I stay or should I go? <laughs> <laughs> Lost in the Supermarket is a really beautiful song about loneliness and um, kind of feeling disconnected from a lot of things. Like they have some really, like you said, kind of like you feel seen and you feel like it can kind of help you process some stuff. Early during COVID, I was working at a different library and it was very stressful. And on my drive home, I would roll down my windows and I would turn up Clampdown, um, which is about uh, like working for the man. <laughs> and I would, would just blast that uh, on my whole drive home. So I feel like it still like helps me like through things, like helps me process things. And they have different songs, which makes me like kind of work through some of those different things, whether it's loneliness or feeling kind of like just angry at the world um or maybe i just like need a little bit of like funky punk uh <laughs> so the clash <laughs> and i made i have a jacket that i made very diy punk fashion uh with the clash on it and people do comment to me all the time um and ask me about it and then that's when they inevitably ask me what other punk groups i like and i have to claim total <laughs> ignorance <laughs> so that's that is my, again, sort of like high school-ish era. So not of not music of the time, but mm -hmm. for me, that was when I when I discovered them. Always cool. in my heart. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like it doesn't matter when things were. If you discover them, they're new to you. So that's when they're relevant, right? Yeah. Like apparently, legend has it in the history of Sarah Weinstein <laughs> that when I was five years old, my parents were playing Elvis, and I lost my. <laughs> And I was like, this is amazing. And I like got a like Fisher Price cassette, handheld cassette player and like carried it around with me to bed. Like, I was obsessed with Elvis when I was five. But, you know, think it just it spoke to me, <laughs> which also I think it'd be interesting to know everybody's first concert. So I will tell you mine. And my first concert was Paul McCartney, because why not? When I was in sixth grade, the boy that I thought who lived next door with me that I to me and I thought was cute asked me to go to this concert with him so her parents went and it was and we all went together and listened to Paul McCartney but now I'm going to fast forward ahead to night to the 90s because the other part of what was going on was grunge and that was a huge part that was a, a very much a background to my upbringing um and the the album that I liked the most was the MTV Unplugged Nirvana album I wanted to live inside of that album. It was so raw and like so in the, the way that they cut everything and like to listen to Kurt Cobain talk. And it was, you know, just a couple years before he he died. And so you can hear how distressed he is as to uh, how difficult it is for him to be a person in in this album. And I think that that just spoke to all of the teens at the time who were just like having a struggle figuring out what life was supposed to be about. And um, Nirvana and Pearl Jam get lumped in together a lot and they were very, very different um, uh, to me. But that same sort of like raw edged music. I remember the day that Kurt Cobain died, we all just basically like sat and looked at each other. Like, could he really just like be gone? Like it was this whole like, overwhelming feeling of like we knew it was bad but we didn't know how bad it was for him and i think that was just this like awakening of like things get rocky for people and he was even telling us through his music like things are really hard um and 
we just like didn't catch him in time. I don't know. There's something really haunting about that album to me still of, of hearing his voice and knowing that he, he was in trouble and we couldn't do anything. Um, so that, that one, that one's up there for me. It was five months before he died is what Jeff just said. Like he really was like just at the end and he was so haunting. Everything about it was haunting and you could see his meltdown with Courtney Love happening. Like they were just toxic and you could just see it. And it also was being glorified as like, look at this, like post-punk alterna grunge couple who are like living the life. Um, But the life was destructive. Um, And 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 it was playing out through their music, through both of their music, really. Um, Courtney Love was in Hole for all of those under the age of 40. <laughs> well, my first concert was the Avett Brothers uh, at the Fillmore, um, I think for my 15th birthday. Um, and I went with my mother and with two friends of mine who were from Michigan, but we all went to camp in West Virginia together. So we, you know, had spent you know, eight hour rides uh, from here to West Virginia, listening to the Avett brothers. And we had friends in West Virginia who loved the Avett brothers. And so that was just a, a big connection that we all had. And we, it was at the film where we had such a great time, you know, you're absolutely right. No one sits down. <laughs> um, and, and the last time I saw the Avett brothers was also at the film where I've seen them out at Meadowbrook and at Hill in Ann Arbor as well. And they've always been fantastic concerts. The last album kind of on my mental list gets into my college years. This would have been, I think, my freshman year of college is when Taylor Swift released 1989. And I am a white woman who grew up, who was, you know, only a handful of years younger than Taylor Swift and definitely remembers when our song was inescapable on the radio back when she was on predominantly country stations. Um, And so I... uh, you know, I was aware of of her albums. And I was in high school when Speak Now came out and things like that. So I was aware of her albums. I liked her music from, you know, her debut up through sort of her first three. Red kind of passed me by. But when 1989 came out, everybody was like, oh, like she's got, she's completely redone her sound. Because I listened to a lot of country growing up because it's sort of an adjacent to the whole Americana thing because my parents liked the classic stuff like Johnny Cash, like the old school before it became sort of country and rock. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, and so we would have the country music station on sometimes and she'd be on that. But as I got away from sort of listening to country on my own time, I moved away from Taylor Swift and then she came out with 1989. I was a freshman in college, like some boy had made me sad. And so my mother sent me (laughs) that album in, like she like sent me the CD at college because I still had a CD ROM drive in my laptop. So I had a way to play it. And she was like, I think, I think I'm supposed to send you Taylor Swift when a boy has made you sad. And she was right. And I actually had dinner with the same English teacher who had recommended the Avett brothers and Mumford and Sons to me. Mrs. Sager, if you're listening, this thank you for everything you've done for my music taste um and i i i I remember sitting at dinner with her and she was like if you had told me a couple of years ago that i would be telling the young women in my classes of like hey maybe go check out taylor swift's music like her own voice is finally like reverberating off of every track on this album and she sounds like a young woman who's coming into her own power like my english teacher did not expect to say that you know in 2010 about (laughs) Taylor Swift and what she was doing in 2014 and um and that's kind of the album that like 
put Taylor Swift back in, in regular rotation for me. And then she put out so much music during the pandemic. I'm like, well, what else do I have to do but walk around the neighborhood and listen to folklore? And um, <laughs> and uh, I get to, I'm seeing uh, her on tour this summer. I'm very excited about <gasps> you it. You shut your mouth. Yeah, I know. It almost, it almost didn't happen. Oh, you're so lucky. I know because so Ticketmaster, meet me at the alley at dusk. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, Midnight's is like... Oh album of the summer (laughs) for me right now so i just think i think it's really interesting especially with because say say what you will about taylor swift and there is so much that can be said like she she likes to reinvent herself and she's like always figuring out a way to get people to keep talking about her and that has certainly worked in sort of my journey with like coming back to her over and over again every time she does something new i'm like oh what she's doing this time and then i'm like oh she's done it again how and you know that kind of her career has already been like long enough that it's spanned you know my middle school years through now i'm on the other side of grad school and she's not that old (laughs) so yeah that's true um so yeah so that kind of brings me neatly into the present what have you got mumtaz so i want to talk about this band that i used to listen to when i was in middle school so middle school was a really tough time for me um I was in a really dark place. Like I had a lot going on in life and I was very angry. I remember being very, very angry. And so I kind of tapped into rock music and heavy metal. And I was just like, I was kind of all over the place with it. But I just listened to whatever made me feel better because I just kind of wanted to scream at the world. And because I couldn't do that, I was like, well, somebody better do it for me. So I used to listen to this band uh, called Set It Off. Um, I still listen to them a little bit today, but not as much. And they had this one song, it's called Partners in Crime. I think that was the first song I ever heard by them. And it starts off as in, they're like, you'll never take us alive. We swore that death will do us part. They'll call our crimes a work of art. And I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm feeling this. Yeah, cause this is, I'm mad. Like this is where I'm at. And the music video is a little crazy. Um, the lyrics are a little crazy. It's nothing like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they said that, especially by today's standards. But just like, I remember connecting with it so deeply and being like, yeah, I want to scream this. Like, I actually want to screech this. And uh, I just got more and more into their music, more songs they have, because it's kind of like, I feel like some of their music is a bit aggressive which is what i needed at the time because it was like okay well you're in middle school you can't act like a fool but somebody else can do it for you and you can at least scream to your heart's content inside your head when you sing this song they're actually having a concert this month uh and i'm going with my best friend to go see them because even though my current best friend we did not know each other in middle school we didn't know each other at all um we both listened to the same music which i think is really crazy because i don't know much of anybody who has or does listen to much of the same music that i do so when i found out that he also listened to the same band when we were both in middle school i was like uh uh-huh, yep we're going we're going um if you had told my little middle school self that i would be going to a concert by them at the age of 21 i would have been like why not sooner and you're lying <laughs> like, and you're lying but um 
Nah, I'm I'm super excited. Um, I'm going to go back to my middle school years and scream to my heart's content because I don't really listen to heavy metal too much anymore. But every now and then I'll be like, I'm angry. I'm pissed. Like, <laughs> let's do something about this. I think people should not underestimate the anger and darkness of middle school girls. <laughs> like, like all middle schoolers, but girls in particular. I'm yeah. like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely a lot of darkness because a lot of the music I would listen to back then, if I had the pleasure of playing it in front of my mom, she would be like, you know, this is actually kind of really disturbing. And I'd be like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but keep playing it. <laughs> but keep playing it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I just need to get this out in a healthy way. And mm-hmm. that was literally the healthiest way to get what I was feeling out, like just listening to the music and singing it and memorizing all the lyrics and then screaming, but not actually screaming when nobody's around. Like that was the best way to deal with it and cope. So that was something that was very uh, formative for me. What was your first concert? I don't remember because the first concert I went to was with my mom and it was for a band that she liked and it wasn't really something like, I liked it because most of the mo- most of the music that my mom played um that i grew up listening to kind of all over the place like she liked indie she liked rock she liked indie rock she listened to a little bit of everything um so i have memories of songs that i don't know the names of that i don't know the bands but when i hear them i'll be like childhood memories unlocked Mm -hmm. and i'll be like oh my gosh this song and i'll play it and people will be like you, you don't know the name of that band? Like, how do you not know they're iconic? And I'm like, I just know the music. They were part of the ambient background noise of my childhood. What do you want from me? Exactly. Like, that's all that matters. Like, I can't tell you all of the artists that I listen to. I can't tell you all the different types of genres of music I listen to because there's so many genres I listen to. Like, I listen to um, alternative hip hop. I listen to K-pop. I listen to K, uh, Korean R&B. I listen to a little bit of everything. So you could never just sit here and be like, I need an artist and I need every single genre. And I'll just look at you like, there's so many sub genres that I listen to. Cause like, I could be like, oh, I like jazz. But what you think of when you think of me listening to jazz is not actually, it's not just like, oh yeah, just jazz music. No, it's a lot more going on there. Yeah. So Jeff coming in hot. I've been here the whole time. Uh, I just had like an idea for a perfect round table, like wrap up. What can you go into your brain and your memory palace and remember what was your, and it doesn't matter what the artist is. What was your first ever favorite song? The first song you were obsessed with. I'll go first. I was four years old. It was La Bamba by Richie Valens. So I don't know if I have a favorite song that I can like think of off the top of my head. My first concert was definitely um, the Thriller concert by Michael Jackson. I saw him at McNichols Arena. I made Jeff look it up. I was nine years old. And so I was like, I went with my parents and my neighbors, the Grays and their kids. And I think I was like too young to like be in the Michael Jackson moment. Like there was, I remember girls behind me, like teenage young teens like screaming and I was like I don't I mean I don't know like I knew all the songs but I wasn't like super pumped and into it um but that was definitely my first my first concert I did before we go into the songs I I still I can't do this and talk about my for my music in my formative years without talking about the Beastie Boys um (laughs) so sorry to like break I'm always breaking Jeff's rules 
And it was hard to pick a Beastie Boys album because, again, I know the cool thing is to pick Paul's Boutique, but like that is literally never what I reach for when I'm in the mood for the Beastie Boys. Um, I reach a lot, probably Hello Nasty, but that came out quite a bit later. Um, so I picked Ill Communication, which came out in 94. Um, so I'm fully in my like college years. That was like those, that was the era where somebody famous and now I feel dumb because I can't remember was like directing all the videos like sabotage um who Spike Jones Spike Jones sorry <laughs> um was directing all these crazy videos it was just like on MTV when MTV played music videos all the time um and it also because I realized my list is now like very dude heavy um but I do that album has sure shot on it and the early 90s um while there was some really great like women singer songwriters, um, it was also a time of like um, a lot of misogyny happening in the music industry. And this was like on the heels of Woodstock 90, 90, 92? 97. 97. 95, 96. So it was like sort of in this time where that like terrible Woodstock happened, where there was like multiple sexual assaults that were happening. Um, and there is a lyric by Insure Shot by MCA, who's my favorite Beastie Boy. Also, <laughs> the, um, never be the favorite in any of my bands because you will die an early death. I'm sorry. Um, but he wrote this lyric completely unprompted by anybody else, and they didn't even talk about it. Um, but it says, um, you know, I'd like to say a little something that's long overdue. The disrespect to women has got to be through. To all the mothers, sisters, wives, and friends, I want to offer my love and respect to the end. And I think hearing that from a group that also put out um, License to Ill was like, thank you for stepping up and like saying that so clearly and so eloquently um, from a band that I like really wanted to admire. And after they did that, um, and I think MCA was definitely something somebody to admire um, going forward, but that was something I really needed to hear. Mm -hmm. in my college years at that time. But favorite song, I don't know, I'm sorry. No, 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 just go with like closing thoughts. You know, oh, that's my closing, that's, 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 that's my closing thought. My, plans. my, my, <laughs> my closing thoughts are also like, you know, I grew up listening to, my mom really loved Motown. I grew up listening to Motown. Um, my dad liked folk music. And so like, I listened to a lot of like boys to men in high school too, because it felt very, even though that like was not something my parents listened to, it felt very like comfortable. And then, you know, Alanis Morissette was on my list too. And then I can't, I can't also emphasize enough how much we listened to that Legend CD by Bob Marley. Oh my God, <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying. And it has yes. the black cover with the gold letters. 100%. And so like, there's like the Alanis Morissette music that I listened to a lot in, in college when you wanted to like be angry and yell. But like, if you wanted to like hang out and get Smoking. high, you, mm -hmm. you, put, you grab the Legend CD. <laughs> and it is like the mellowest, yes. chillest vibe. Um, yeah, it's just like a perfect perfect chill album i will agree um my the first song i can remember being like i'm obsessed with the song was i think we're alone now by tiffany covered by <laughs> tiffany my brother gave me the tiffany uh, cassette tape for hanukkah and i was like i am so cool look <laughs> at me being cool and i remember playing it over and over and over um i would be remiss if i did not 
<laughs> nope, Sarah, don't do it. Okay, yeah, that was my favorite song. And um, I had one more album left on my list, and that was Velvet Rope by Janet Jackson. I like can't talk about that album without it just making me blush on my insides because <laughs> it was just so sexual. It was so sexual. And I just remember hearing it for the first time and being like, oh, who else is hearing this? This is private. It just felt like it just reminds me of sex, like straight up sex. I love that album. Okay, so I think this has been an interesting time to talk, and I had a lot of things, and yeah, but the 90s were a really interesting time to be coming up, man, because there were so many different, like, genres of music, and all of them had such, like, diehard people, but everybody sort of, like, crossed over, like, it wasn't weird to hear someone listen to Tupac, and then listen, in my experience, and then listen to Bob Marley, and then listen to the Bare Naked Ladies, and then listen to Atlantis Morissette, like, on your mix CD, which is how you let someone know you love them. You make them a mix oh, CD CDs. or a mixtape um, where you would push the button. You would listen on the radio and then the song would come on and then you would push the button right when it started. <laughs> and that's how you knew someone really liked you. You've totally made me like, I already know I was born in the wrong time period. Y'all just making it worse for me. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. It's the 90s were a they were a time, man. They were a time. Okay. I shall see to the next part of the union. Um, I can't remember what my favorite song ever was. Uh, like my first favorite song, I don't remember. There must have been hundreds, hmm. but I do. If I try to think back as far as I can, I remember this one song, uh, "One Two Step" by Sierra. I don't even remember the song today. How the lyrics go, I just remember I used to sing it over and over and over and over and over again. And I remember one time a play auntie took me to the circus. And we were in the circus tent and they were asking the audience, what's your favorite song? And I, me, the little kid, me, I'm like raising my hand. Oh, oh, pick me, pick me, pick me. I want that song. I'm going to play the song. You guys are going to play that song when I tell you what my favorite song is. And then they picked somebody else and I was so hurt. And then they had the same favorite song <laughs> ah, as me. And yay. I was, I was so angry. I was like, this is the most disrespectful thing I've ever seen. <gasps> they weren't allowed um, to have the same song as you? So the issue is that they were like picking somebody from the audience okay. and they were going to play, they were going to ask them what their favorite song was and then they were going to play it for the whole circus. And somebody had the same favorite song as me. Mm -hmm. So I didn't get, and, and also they didn't pick me. So it was just like double disrespect. Okay. But I got over it. You know, I got over it. Um, Probably after or before that, Something by Beyonce was my favorite because everybody was listening to Beyonce when mm -hmm. I was a kid. Like, I remember I was in first grade and it was Beyonce, 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 Beyonce. I knew all of her songs by heart, all the lyrics, everything. And I was like, yeah, Beyonce. Not as crazy about her anymore. Like, she, she's great, but I've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> we won't tell anyone. <laughs> um... I'm not sure if I would categorize it as like I was sitting around as a four-year-old going, this is my favorite. <laughs> my parents love telling the story about when I was four years old. My first Broadway show was Annie Get Your Gun uh, with Bernadette Peters uh, and Tom Wopat. And we bought the cast recording at intermission. Um, but before we had a chance to play it anywhere, I was sitting in the backseat of the car on the way home from having seen this show for the first time as a four-year-old and I was singing all of the words to anything you can do I can do better in the back seat and my parents were like 
how does she know them already? She's only heard the song once. And that was the story of the rest of my life. Um, but if if I had to like think about like, oh, if you'd asked me, oh, what's your favorite song? And I had had an answer for you. It probably would have been Vienna by Billy Joel, um, which frankly, still, still an anthem. <laughs> um, I think it was my ringtone on my mother's <laughs> phone for a long time is like when I called her that's the song that played uh, so it all it all comes back well that is I think our show thank you for listening to uh, A Little Too Quiet brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library Jeff who do we thank for our music uh, thank you thank you to John Duffy for providing music at the intro and outro of every episode please remember to rate review subscribe and please tell your friends if you leave a comment it would help us find more listeners. And thank you all so much for such an awesome episode. Thank you for and having come me. check out CDs and CD players from the Ferndale Library. CDs, CD players. Yes. They're back. They're back. They never went away. They no. never went away, especially not at your library. Get them free at your library. I uh, would like to say that three of us out of the five of us are wearing plaid and flannels. Yeah. So we are representing the 90s yeah. very well. <laughs> uh, we'll be back next week with more. Thanks for listening. Bye, babe. Bye. Bye.